Good day, everyone. My name is Mahasan El Kodri, the Amino of Crypto. This is Coin Talk Africa Spotlight. Coin Talk Africa Spotlight is a podcast created to highlight the personalities, careers, impact, and experiences of the people in the Africa blockchain ecosystem. For 40 minutes every Friday, I'll be sitting down to talk to one of these outstanding individuals after which our participants will have the opportunity to ask questions, comment, or make a contribution to the conversation. Today on the maiden edition of Coin Talk Africa Spotlight, we have Adi Dayo Adebajo, MD of Jeluid Africa and organizer of the Africa Blockchain Expedition. Yeah, oh, thank you very much for that uh, wonderful introduction. And yes, of course, I do get that a lot. So usually, when uh, trying to myself, when trying to introduce myself to uh, various people, I just, I just tell them, "Call me Adi." You know, Adi is quite oh, okay. Ghana, you should have told me that. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm quite used to that. Thank you very much. All right. Uh, so Dio, uh, I wrote a post uh, just before the, about an hour before the event started because uh, I woke up this morning thinking about uh, this event and uh, recalling how you and I came to meet, my first interaction with Jelwida uh, Africa and with yourself was sometime back in 2019 uh, when I was uh, writing for the Sec Tiger. Uh, and uh, I interviewed uh, Jelwida Africa about uh, some of the training events that they were doing in universities across Nigeria. Um, at that point in time, I remember meeting you and I could tell, I could see that you had a lot of passion uh, and that you're a very intelligent uh, person. And I could see, or I had the perception that uh, you would do great things within the industry, within the African blockchain uh, ecosystem. And so I started to monitor uh, the progress. I actually, actually had, um, I actually created an alert for Jelwida Africa on Google Alerts. <laughs> I'm sure you don't know that. <laughs> So I, I got to all the articles that were being written about you guys. Um, uh, and then I saw the LinkedIn post that you did in October 2021, or perhaps a bit earlier than that, about the Africa blockchain uh, exhibition that you were planning to do. And I thought it was an amazing idea. If I'd had the ability to, I would have just picked my traveling bag, packed some things, and, and I would have called you and said, I did I I'm coming along, you know, I'm riding shotgun, <laughs> but I didn't have uh, the opportunity to, to join you at the point in time. And I, I doubt that you'd have had uh, an extra seat for me. <laughs> so I just told myself that what I would do is I would write about it, that I would keep in contact with you and continue to try and get updates from you about uh, the expedition and write about it, or at least um, record it, catalog it at some point um, at the first opportunity. And that first opportunity came to me uh, when the team and I decided to launch Coin Talk Africa Spotlight uh, podcast. And we decided that it would be fitting for you to be our very first guest on the series. So, uh, could you start by... telling us a bit about yourself? about uh, Ade Adebajo. Tell <laughs> us a bit about yourself. Uh, definitely. 
Uh, I, I guess right now, what really matters is um, how I started or, or my journey basically in the crypto and the blockchain ecosystem in Africa. So, uh, you know, I, I started basically like everybody did in the space uh, by trading. And then uh, after a couple of months of trading, I was able to uh, start my first employment in the crypto ecosystem with uh, Poloniex. Uh, then they were just looking for somebody with experience uh, trading on their platform and also who, who has a customer service uh, experience. So then I applied. Then I started as a Trollbox uh, support moderator. Uh, from then we were moved to the support help desk after the show down the Trollbox. Uh, but then it was all about crypto. So then I got more curious about what the technology basically is all about. I mean, it can't just be crypto, crypto all the time. So that's, that was when I decided to join Jellerida uh, as a support specialist back in, uh, um, what's it called, early 2018. So then we started, I started working with them, I started attending events, uh, even pitching uh, our own product, the Howder uh, product, the NXT platforms. But then I started writing a couple of articles after investing much time into what the technology is all about. I mean, I'm a Nigerian and I, I pretty much uh, see uh, most of where we lack our basic uh, infrastructures, amenities, or even government supports in basically every sector in, in the country. Then I saw the opportunity of blockchain to transform most of these things uh, locally and internationally. So I started writing a couple of articles on my Medium page. Then uh, shortly afterwards, after interacting with uh, basic offices, the private and the public sector, we decided to establish Jedrida Africa as a company locally within Nigeria, you know, to bring the blockchain technology closer to the doorsteps of Africans. Uh, so 2018, 2019, we had uh, the campus blockchain hackathons. Then in 2020, during the pandemic, we hosted the Africa Blockchain Developers Call Series. Uh, then 2021, we expanded to East Africa. Basically, we have been operating in West Africa. So in, uh, just last year, in January, uh, we expanded to East Africa. Then we decided to close the year with the East Africa blockchain expedition, uh, which of course you're already aware of. So uh, pretty much this is me and this is what I've been doing so far in the space. Thank you, Dio. Um, we were kind of hoping for some uh, personal gist, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, see, we'll, we'll let you go for now on the personal yes. gist. Can you tell us, um, why you decided to do the Africa blockchain expedition. I mean, um, it, it's a kind of novel idea to me. I stand to be corrected, but I'd never heard of um, uh, an ex exhibition type event or expedition type events within the blockchain industry or even within the tech industry. So it was kind of novel to me. What made you think of it? And why did you decide that it was something that you should do? Great. So basically, if you look at uh, the tech ecosystem in Africa uh, specifically, uh, we pretty much focus on what is coming from outside of the country. In Nigeria, I can tell you uh, categorically that we are actually consumers and uh, not really much of a producer of techs. And the same thing applies as according to what we, we perceived uh, several years back applies to the rest of the African countries. But then- uh, I, I did, could you start again on that one? Um, okay. It seems your, your connection hung for a minute. Okay, no problem. So I said in Africa, if you look at uh, what we consume, we are basically consumers and not producers. But then uh, our news agencies or probably our media outlets are not really promoting our products. So people are not so much aware about what is going on in Africa. When you look at Africa, you see a lot of uh, blockchain products here and there, but it's basically products coming from outside of the continent for Africans to consume. 
And of course, we've had several events about local content, about uh, you know, bringing in more, more people into the dev uh, developer space, bringing in more people into the ecosystem. But then how exactly are people aware of what is going on in Africa if we do not showcase it? Um, we've had a lot of initiatives, you know, developers uh, courses, uh, bootcamp series, to bring people in, bring people on board, so that people will be able, Africans will be able to deploy solutions for Africa. But then if people do not know what we have, then how can we promote it? So I saw this as an opportunity for me to move around, you know, some specific African countries, see what they're doing, see from the government perspective, from the public and the private perspective, see how far they've gone. Is it uh, currently on regulatory framework? Is it on uh, capacity building? Is it on solution deployment? What exactly are people working on? So the world will be able to know. And then if at all there is a need for people like us, Know, in, the, in the ecosystem to come in to bring forth every single dream of them or every one of them then that would be an opportunity but of course we can't come in unless we know exactly what we are dealing with so the africa blockchain expedition specifically for east africa was to learn about the current status of blockchain technology and probably the, four, the other industrial revolutionary technology in respective industries according to their countries so basically it's just to learn more and to be able to provide more okay Thank you, uh, Ade. Can you tell us a bit about how you organized the expedition? I mean, I would assume that at that point in time, probably not now, but at that point in time, you probably didn't have a lot of connections in East Africa. Uh, within West Africa, we are, we do communicate a lot better, but the communication with other regions within the continent is not as strong. So can you tell us a bit about how you um, organized the expedition why did you choose to start in East Africa? For instance, uh, how did you put together an itinerary? How did you fund it? What okay. kind of support did you get? Or what kind of support did you seek? Could you tell us a bit more about the organizational aspect of the event? Wonderful. So, like, like I said, so uh, January 2021, so we started with our expansion to the East African countries. So we had representatives in uh, Rwanda, in Kenya, and in Tanzania. Then of course, you know, in the previous year, we had the Africa Blockchain Developers Course Series, during which I was able to bring on board, you know, numerous uh, blockchain startups, established companies utilizing block using blockchain technology. So then uh, during that particular era, I was able to have interactions with people from uh, the global perspective, uh, both within Africa and outside Africa. Uh, that also includes uh, the likes of Elena Dante in Ethiopia. Basically, I was able to expand my connections, you know, from within West Africa to the world, East Africa inclusive. And then, you know, if you look at East Africa in comparison to the Western Africa, uh, you would realize that uh, aside from Kenya, most other Eastern, Eastern African countries are kind of uh, silent or quiet. That doesn't mean that nothing is actually going on over there. So when uh, we had uh, the president, uh, the now president of Tanzania, uh, made announcement that uh, the Bank of Tanzania and uh, the various ministries should look into blockchain and cryptocurrency towards adoption. So basically I saw this as a calling for us to actually look into the area. If we can have this from the number one citizen in the country being interested in this technology, who are we to say we should sit down? We should give them all the support that we can. So then Tanzania being one of the, you know, the top countries in the Eastern, Eastern, Eastern Africa countries. So they actually have a strong hold in the region. So then we started from Tanzania. Of course I have people on ground already. So uh, it also began from a tweet uh, from the then uh, Minister of ICT, uh, Faustine uh, Dumbilele, 
So I uh, reached out to him on Twitter. Then I was able to get his uh, WhatsApp enabled phone number, which he gave to me. So we started communicating. And I told him about what we offer, what we plan to do. Then he was openly welcoming. So that, that began my first trip to Tanzania, you know, to meet with the government to see what exactly they currently have and uh, what we can do to, to support. So then uh, it was prior to the expedition. So we, I, I, I traveled down there. Then I was able to have a series of meetings, have some sort of a joint venture with some uh, uh, local ops. Uh, then we had meetings with uh, some of the government representatives, uh, the ICT commission, and then the deputy permanent secretary and the likes. So basically it was uh, for us to be able to showcase what we have and to facilitate a sort of uh, solution focused training. Then I saw the country has been willing. Then of course, prior to that, we, we launched the Africa Blockchain Institute in Kigali, Rwanda, which was my first time of going to Rwanda back in 2019. So then we're also able to meet with the ICT minister in Rwanda. I mean, it was so easy you know, to meet with these people because they actually know what they, what they want and they are willing to offer you all the attention that you need to get everything done. So Rwanda has been on the list of uh, 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 countries of the go-to countries, then Tanzania came in, then Kenya came in, then Ethiopia came in. So then I started paying more attention to East Africa. I mean, we've been in West Africa for quite some time, but what the East Africa is currently putting to the media, putting to the world, is uh, kind of like something I've never seen anywhere else. So that's began uh, the whole planning for the East Africa blockchain expedition and uh, focusing on the capacity building, uh, 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 giving them basic uh, training on the solutions and, also, and so on and so forth. So in East Africa, we started basically from just expanding our staffs, having connections with the government and also the private sectors and the hubs inclusive. Thank you very much, uh, Hadi. So uh, can you share a bit about uh, the goal behind it? I would assume that uh, at some point in time, you'd have, you'd have like a list of goals that, of things that you wanted to accomplish from the expedition. Can you share uh, a bit about those goals and uh, maybe go into a bit about uh, how much you felt you, uh, you, you achieved in comparison to the goals that you set? Yes. So uh, just a recall right now, you asked me a question about uh, the, 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 the support we're able to get. So uh, yes. uh, let me make reference. You know, I work with Jelivina, the Switzerland-based uh, blockchain software company. And uh, they've been funding most of my activities, in short, all of my activities right from the onset. So when the idea of East Africa expansion came up, uh, yeah, it was a little bit difficult to convince them, but eventually they came on board because they saw the vision as well uh, of Africa as a whole. So they funded the, the, the entire expedition across the East African region. Then we also support, uh, yes, we're also able to gain support from uh, you know, the locals uh, the hubs who are currently on ground, who wants to do something tangible, because uh, it's like the first time the government is- The hubs in Nigeria or in uh, East Africa? Uh, in, in East Africa, talking about That's the- amazing. Talking about the Ellipsis Digital, the Innovate Hub and, and the likes. So basically we were able to gain uh, support from them as well. They were willing to work with us and they were willing to provide every single thing required because uh, the government gives, gave us the listing here and then the hubs decide to partner with us. They believe together we'll be able to achieve a lot. So that's, that's about that. And with regards to um, my basic expectations, uh, while there in East Africa, in Tanzania, specifically on my first visit, uh, after um, um, mixing with both the, the locals, 
and then uh, the, the government, the private sectors, were able to come across the need uh, for them to have a fintech solution uh, to replace uh, some of the ones they currently have on ground. And of course, without a regulatory framework, it would be difficult to propose a blockchain-based uh, fintech uh, 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 platform for them to be able to carry out basic, basically every single uh, financial activities. But then I look at East Africa, then I saw the, the, the collective efforts, you know, the, the, the unity that they have, is the fact that they speak, they, most of them speak Swahili as a language. Swahili. Exactly. They, they are all very connected. And the likes of this have probably not, ne never seen anywhere else. Uh, even considering the fact that you know, Zanzibar and Tanzania, uh, it's a United Republic. I never knew this yeah. until I was there. Zanzibar have their own president, Tanzania have their own president, but still they act as one. So this sort of unity, I saw it as an opportunity to ha actually have something that we call a unified regulatory framework. And of course, it's, they also have what we call the EAC, the East African countries, which comprise of a few countries in East Africa, which enables people to be able to move around freely without visa across various countries. So something similar to uh, uh, ECOWAS. Yes, yes, yes. But it's even better because, you know, they are well connected. They are well united, such that I've never seen anywhere else. So it's pretty much easier or it won't be difficult to propose a unified regulatory framework, you know, for solutions deployed in one country to be easily adopted in the other. And this is also uh, falls in line with the current move from the uh, president of Tanzania, you know, she traveled down to Rwanda, to Kenya and the likes, uh, to have some sort of a unified framework, a unified solution deployment in the digital ecosystem. So any solution deployed in Tanzania would also be used in Rwanda, would also be used in Kenya and the likes. So this is kind of like a move that is, uh, you know, very, very, uh, uh, I can call it a very solid thing for us to actually work on, for us to, for us to actually partner with. So, we saw this as an opportunity to bring in the blockchain framework as well, you know, the regulatory framework. So we proposed to the Tanzanian government, the same thing to the Rwanda government. And of course, they are pretty much open to work, you know, with, uh, uh, with locals and also with uh, international bodies, you know, to have a framework for regula uh, to regulate cryptocurrency, to regulate the blockchain ecosystem. So this is a battle I believe it's worth fighting and it's worth every single effort you can put into it. Thank you very much. Uh... Adi, from what you've said, the impression that I have and that probably some of the uh, participants will have is that uh, it seems as if the uh, East African countries, even though they might not seem to be doing as well as we're doing in, say, Nigeria, when it comes to blockchain, but it seems as if the economic uh, environment and even the political environment is more uh, friendly towards blockchain industry do you did you feel that way do you feel that way oh yes absolutely i mean we started from nigeria then we decided to move all the way down to ghana as well so to further establish and uh, i can say this we've only uh, expanded to east africa just about 12 months ago but what we've accomplished in the last 12 months compared to what we've accomplished in the western african region for the last three years is totally incomparable We've achieved a lot more in East African countries, and they are even willing to do more to go the, uh, to go further to achieve more. Uh, so they, and also I think it's kind of like um, a misconception or probably misappropriation of information when we tend to look at the Eastern region that uh, we are kind of like advanced much more than they have. One thing I would say we have in Nigeria, well, number one is the population. 
Uh, number two is the fact that uh, we have a lot of top guns out there who are willing to put Nigeria at the forefront of this technology deployment. But uh, when I got to East Africa, Tanzania, Kenya, and, and the likes, I saw exactly what they are doing. They have a very strong community. They have a very strong developers uh, workforce, and uh, they have the support of the government. But one thing that they do not do is that I, they do not I. Well, with the exception of Kenya, for, of course, because Kenya is just like uh, Nigeria in, in, some, in, in some ways. But with the rest of the country, they also have most of these things. And besides, uh, they have a strong government, and also they have basically a lot of infrastructures that the news today perhaps do not, they, they are not aware of. I mean, it took me a journey to go down there, I mean, all the efforts and everything to see what they have. So pretty much they, they have a lot that we do not know about. And uh, they couple with the fact that they have a very good government willing to listen to the people, willing to get things done, willing to make sure everything is going well and perfect. I mean, I, from Nigeria, but uh, I won't be surprised if I change my citizenship to one of the East African countries. <laughs> okay, that's a very bold thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> Today's podcast was sponsored by The Blockchain Explained, an online educational entity focused entirely on training people on how to navigate and invest within the blockchain and cryptocurrency industry and markets effectively. If you've been looking on the blockchain industry from the outside in and want to acquire the necessary knowledge and skills to ensure a hitch-free investing experience, sign up for the intensive training on blockchain and cryptocurrencies on theblockchainexplained.com today. Can you give us a bit more uh, detail about uh, the activities you engaged in during the exhibition? Can you tell us more about uh, the activities? If you could go from country to country and then tell us some of the activities and experiences you had, just to give us a, a, a more colorful picture of what the exhibition looked like. Okay, uh, wonderful. So I uh, pretty much started from Arusha. Uh, this was during the Tanzanian ICT event that they held in Arusha. So we're able to have uh, a close communications uh, with, uh, with the private sectors, uh, with the tech startups, even with the government, and we're able to uh, you know take over on the stage as well to to pitch, you know, to 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 uh, what's it called present a couple of uh, uh, solutions alongside with various varieties of other things they can do in the space. But prior to this, you know, we've started the engagement with the Tanzanian government way long before, and uh, coupled with the meetings in the private and the public sector. Uh, the fact that we are also able to pitch a couple of solutions to them. They, they've been working on, uh, you know, all these countries actually have uh, initiatives of smart city innovations. Uh, so, you know, with every smart city innovation comes uh, smart tech, comes blockchain technology to foster uh, easy payments, mileage payments and the likes. So we also uh, gave our own uh, assent on most of all these initiatives that they currently have. Then uh, from there, we were able to move down to Zanzibar uh, during which we were able to, you know, have meetings because basically the exhibition, uh, the, the expedition was uh, uh, to bring in a lot of uh, believers into the space uh, to enlighten, to educate, to provide certification, gifts, items, and, and the likes, and also to to shed more light on what blockchain can easily accomplish in various other countries. So we were able to meet uh, with uh, OBS. We started with the HM and Y OBS in Zanzibar, so we were able to have sessions uh, with the developers and uh, and the likes. And uh, from there, we also moved to the uh, our State University of Zanzibar, uh, still in Zanzibar. Uh, we are also able to meet uh, with the, the HOD of the ICT department, 
also having uh, opportunity to, you know, to have presentations, to have a workshop uh, with the computer science department. So we also have an understanding with uh, the university to, to continue to provide uh, blockchain education and also developers training, you know, for uh, those who are willing to, to come on board, then also establishing communities uh, to foster uh, continuity. So then afterwards, uh, we moved around, we also decided to move around to see where and where blockchain is currently, you know, being used. Uh, interestingly, in Zanzibar, they are currently looking towards uh, deploying their own CBDC, uh, just to be able to benefit more from the blockchain ecosystem. Then also, there are also some, a couple of places that we identified that they are currently accepting, you know, crypto as a means of payment for their services. So these are the, some of the good news that we actually want people to know that uh, despite, you know, the, the government's, uh, uh, um, and I call it uh, obstacle, the current obstacle that they, they are facing from the government's perspective on regulation, people are still willing, you know, to, to take the heat, to take the lead uh, so that the government can then catch up later with the regulation. So innovation is currently ongoing. Then also in Tanzania, you know, people would almost imagine that countries like this, they don't have any solutions for any work running on the blockchain technology. And this would be far from the truth. Consider the fact that they already deployed uh, um, few solutions using the technology. For example, the, the value chain traceability uh, for Tanzanites, uh, which is in collaboration with some uh, blockchain uh, uh, companies you know, in, uh, outside of the country. So they've been able to deploy solutions for the uh, Tanzanite, which is the, uh, what's it called? Which is only found in Tanzania. It's like the, uh, similar to the likes of a diamond and the likes. So people are able to transport it from Tanzania and they are able to know uh, where exactly it has been to. And people who are using these uh, uh, precious metals and stones, they are able to know where it came from. So these are already on ground. And the fact that during the TAC ICT uh, events, we're also able to meet with the likes of Eric Limo, who is uh, basically like an undergraduate, a young folk who has been working on blockchain uh, technology for quite some time. So this is there, and we are able to have a close dialogue with him to see exactly uh, what he has been doing, and it's quite fascinating. I mean, in a country where you expect that people do not really know about the technology, for you to see people are actually using the technology, people are actually trying to work and deploying solutions to the technology, and we are still in communication with him and the likes of various other people like him who are willing to learn more. So that goes it for Tanzania. They will move to, uh, to Kenya afterwards. So in Kenya, we've had uh, established uh, our communication prior to the expedition with the likes of uh, ILAB, the Strathmore University, uh, the Growth Africa, the Savannah uh, Africa, the Mount Kenya Orb, and, uh, and so on and so forth. Then also they have uh, the, 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 the Kodza, which is basically like a smart city in, initiative in Kenya. And uh, we also have uh, a, a close dialogue with them. You know, for every single uh, opportunity that we get, so we tend to have dialogues, workshops, you know, conversations around the technology, uh, which we did. We also tried to make a video recording, you know, for people to be able to view it. So we upload it on our YouTube channel for people to understand what is currently going on. So uh, the, the Kenya ecosystem is quite different in some ways uh, to the Tanzania ecosystem. At uh, this we found out. Uh, uh, the Kenya, you know, they, they actually have a lot of investment uh, from the likes of uh, Google, Microsoft, Facebook, and the likes. So their own tech uh, ecosystem is a little bit stronger. Uh, then they have a lot of developers, of course, on board. Uh, but one thing we figured out is the fact that uh, basically all of them are still working with centralized systems. They are waiting for the government to regulate the blockchain ecosystem, the cryptocurrency ecosystem, before they venture into the space. 
Uh, we're able to have uh, meetings with various startups at uh, the, the CC hub of the high hub, rather. And uh, basically the real estate sector, various other startups are in the e-commerce sector to know if they are actually using blockchain, to know if they have the intention of deploying solutions, probably if, even if it's payment gateway, you know, to enable people to, uh, to, uh, to pay for their services using, using crypto. But basically they are all still waiting for the government to regulate. Then with Konza, they are pretty much open to working with us on deploying data solutions on uh, facilitating dialogue with the government towards regulation. And then we also had uh, meetings with the Strathmore University. You know, same uh, uh, meeting that we had with uh, uh, the like of uh, the, the, the State University of Zanzibar. So we moved around Kenya basically for this. And also we are able to identify various places, you know, where they are accepting Bitcoin as a means of payment, you know, for you to, to, to get your car filled up with four, uh, for you to buy books and so on and so forth, even at restaurants, you know, where Bitcoin is being accepted as means of payment. And we believe these are the kind of news people need to know that will foster further adoption, adoption for crypto and also for the blockchain ecosystem. Now from there, uh, it, interestingly, you know, we journeyed from Tanzania to Kenya by road. So it's, uh, it's like uh, a full day travel anyway, but it's quite interesting uh, because you journeyed all the way from, we came from Zanzibar uh, by, by water, then we get to Dar es Salaam. From Dar es Salaam, we journeyed all the way down to through Moshi, uh, to Arusha, you know, to enter into uh, uh, to the Kenya region, uh, Mombasa and the likes. So it's quite interesting. And that, that is also one thing interesting about East Africa. Most of their roads are connected. You know, all their countries are connected by road. So if you don't want to travel by air, you can easily travel by road. And of course, for Eastern Africans, it's very easy. And it's, uh, of course, you know, free. You don't need any visa to do so. So we, uh, unfortunately for, for Rwanda, you know, they're still having these uh, strong COVID-19 uh, 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 restrictions. So we have to travel to Rwanda by here, which is, of course, also an interesting uh, experience. So in Rwanda, we've also had, you know, prior meetings and engagement with various um, uh, 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 tech startups with the government. So it wasn't all that difficult to establish or to reestablish the communication. So with the likes of the ICT chambers, uh, the ICT, uh, the Ministry of ICT, uh, the RISA, and also with the likes of uh, um, uh, a lot of uh, startups, even the Rwanda blockchain uh, ecosystem. So we've had uh, prior engagement with all of them. And basically this time around, it's still the same uh, moves that we are trying to establish. Figure out exactly the extent that the governments are in terms of regulation, in terms of capacity building, in terms of solution deployment. And I can tell you with all our visits, they are all very ready you know, to, to adopt the, the solution. And even though they have a various means or various perspective of viewing, you know, deploying solutions. Uh, Rwanda, for example, they prefer to, uh, for you to bring in a solution that you have and you can easily discuss about deploying it. Uh, right now they have at least two solutions utilizing blockchain technology, uh, specifically in the real estate and the land acquisition you know, land title registration and the likes, and uh, a lot of other solutions currently coming up. And so Kenya as well, they are working on the same thing. Tanzania, of course, they're also working on the same thing. So smart city innovations, uh, government involvement in blockchain and cryptocurrency, these things are currently ongoing in East Africa. And uh, unlike uh, a closed ecosystem, which our friends in Ethiopia are currently uh, 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 employing, the rest of the East African countries, they are pretty much open to what you have to offer and what the technology can easily accomplish within their ecosystem. I hope I've not taken uh, too much. Thank you. Time. 
not at all, not at all, Dio. We're here to listen to you and to uh, learn about your experience. Um, can you tell us um, a bit about the community, the tech community and the blockchain community in these uh, countries? How functional and how um, well set up are they? Especially in comparison to what we have uh, maybe in West Africa or in other parts of Africa. So uh, uh, in comparison, let's say to Nigeria, because we have the population, you know, we have the likes of uh, various, uh, you know, groups, uh, the Blockchain Nigeria user group, the CBI and the BN, uh, uh, the CBAN, and, and so on and so forth, who are actually gathering a lot of communities. And uh, we've had a series of events in West Africa. But when it comes to the East African regions, uh, we have uh, mostly foreign countries trying to establish, or trying to establish and trying to gather community for events and, and the likes. But when it comes to Rwanda, you know, uh, investment in Rwanda started as far back as 2019. So we have uh, the Blockchain Rwanda group, which has been existing ever since then. And the WhatsApp group is always, uh, you know, uh, uh, engaged. And they often, they have uh, frequent meetings as well. And um, yeah, that's, that's about Rwanda. So they are pretty much fully established. And they discussed, you know, technical uh, uh, deployment. They look at what is currently going on you know, globally and looking at what is currently happening in Rwanda and it's right to as much as possible to level the playing fields. And uh, when it comes to uh, to Tanzania, let me get, come back to Tanzania. Uh, one thing I re realized, you know, I have a friend back there, uh, Sandra Shogo, who is like uh, the blockchain mama in Tanzania. So uh, back then, before, uh, you know, when cryptocurrency became a thing over there, you know, they suffered a lot with all this uh, multi-level marketing, MMM and the likes who, actually came over there to scam a lot of people, which was one of the reasons the government decided to ban anything related to cryptocurrency in the region. So there was a, uh, a uh, was it a sort of a community for blockchain and cryptocurrency prior to them, but then they had to like, you know, go under the shadows, uh, uh, was it called, basically disappeared because the government was no longer supporting it. So during the Africa Blockchain Developers Core Series in 2020, uh, I told Sandra we actually have the opportunity of gathering the community back again. This time around, it's more focused on the technology aspects, you know, the blockchain aspects uh, for developers and the likes. Even though we are not really able to accomplish it uh, during the uh, developers call series, this is something that is currently being done. You know, Sandra is making a lot of moves in the region, you know, trying to get a lot of people on board, having meetups, having training sessions here and there. So I can say that right now in Kenya, uh, in Tanzania, we have a strong community currently on ground. And this we've also been gathering during the series of meetups we've had in East Africa prior to the expedition. So uh, for every single meetup we have, we uh, collect communities, we invite people to join our community uh, for further engagements from the universities, uh, from the public sectors, from the various private offices. So the community is currently growing. Uh, since it can be said about, uh, about Kenya, you know, we have the blockchain system of Kenya, which has been existing for a very, very long time. And of course, you know, they, have, they also have uh, basic media and public outreach uh, for people to know about what is currently going on in Kenya. So the community is also pretty much strong over there. And they have a lot of blockchain uh, uh, um, uh, strategists, blockchain uh, are people who are currently fully on ground, the likes of uh, uh, Rosalind Wanjiru and the likes. So they are very much active in the space. So uh, East Africa is quite interesting. Same thing with Ethiopia, we have uh, the ICBs, uh, which has the orb, the likes of Inina Dante also focusing on gathering communities. So communities are gathering everywhere in East Africa. The same thing in Zambia, the same thing in Zimbabwe. We have various orbs who are currently working on all of this. 
So the community is quite strong. And of course, it's paved way uh, for the likes of solutions like Yellow Card and the likes. You know, they pretty much depend on community before they are able to launch their solution. And of course, a solution without a community is just a solution without living on an island. So the community is quite strong and it's currently developing. The only thing I can say we have ahead of them in uh, West Africa and Nigeria specifically is the population. With the population of Nigeria only, it's like you know, collecting about, uh, uh, let's leave Ethiopia out of it because Ethiopia has a population of about 100 million plus. The likes of Tanzania with 70 million, same thing with Kenya. But with the rest of the Eastern African countries, they have a lesser population. So Nigeria alone, over 200 million, we have each population, which is uh, something we have ahead of them. But in terms of community, in terms of developers, in terms of uh, a strong ecosystem, uh, they pretty much have it all. Uh, from what you said, it sounds like they would, they would be suffering some disadvantage uh, when it comes to things like funding as well, because they're, they're working under the radar. Yes, yes, which is why Kenya, you know, when it comes to East Africa countries, uh, Kenya is like uh, the go-to place because most of all these tech startups and the foreigners are fully established there. Uh, so Kenya's finding kind of easy to raise funding, you know, from uh, for all these startups. Uh, but when it comes to the blockchain ecosystem or the blockchain startups in various other countries, it's pretty much difficult uh, to raise funding because the governments are yet to fully come on board. Uh, but in less, less than the next one or two years, I don't think this will be a challenge anymore. I was going to ask you, uh, my next question was going to be, where do you see these, these uh, ecosystems being or what do you see them achieving, say, five years from now? Yes, I, you know, uh, one thing that uh, I can't dispute is the fact that uh, all other countries, they, in Africa specifically, they kind of take uh, notes, you know, uh, take the lead. They, they, they look at Nigeria, and uh, from, from what we've been able to accomplish, they tend to learn from our own experience, if I can put it that way. Uh, because while moving around uh, Rwanda, for example, we're able to meet with the likes of Bank of Africa, you know, to uh, uh, pitch a couple of solutions and also training sessions and workshops in Rwanda. And uh, they were pretty much interested in what we've been able to accomplish with Inera. Uh, because all of them are also looking towards deploying their own CBDC. Kenya is doing the same, Rwanda is doing that, uh, Tanzania is doing that, Zambia, they're all looking towards this. So they, they are looking towards what we've been able to accomplish in the space, uh, to be able to learn, to be able to know what, I mean, the, the direction they should uh, follow. So in the next five years, considering the, the current rates at which the government is pretty much interested in the space, because all the ecosystem are looking towards the government to regulate, the government to come in, because no startup wants to invest a lot of money and then the government will just come one day and then cancel the whole thing. So they are pretty much waiting on the government to act. And right now the government are very active. And once the government gets involved, the ecosystem is already there. The developers are already there. The solutions are already waiting for the government's approval before they will be able to deploy. So I think the space is, uh, I mean, the movement will be very, very skyrocket. It will just, uh, just like everything going from over the night, you know, the following morning you already have uh, solutions being deployed in the space. Also, uh, in addition to the fact that they are investing a lot in capacity building, you know, moving around universities, facilitating trainings for government offices. Uh, this was the understanding we had uh, with Tanzania government, you know, to train uh, the likes of uh, the ministerial staffs, uh, the ministries, uh, the permanent secretaries, basically all the decision-making uh, uh, decision makers, you know, to be able to facilitate uh, further deployment of solutions. 
uh, they believe they need to see uh, the advantage of the technology, but they stand to benefit uh, the, 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 the industry, the, the sectors that can actually benefit from them before they will now be able to make a concrete decision. So I see uh, from this current energy they are putting into it, the next couple of years, less than five years in fact, I will have a lot of solutions being deployed in the space. So you expect uh, Eastern Africa to, to give uh, West Africa a run for its money? Ah, uh, yes, yes, okay. yes. Okay. Can I ask about the cooperation between uh, regions uh, in, in, in this regard, for instance, between Eastern Africa uh, ecosystem and the North African ecosystem? I ask because uh, the North Africa ecosystem is, is, is intertwined with the Middle East. So they have a very strong relationship there, uh, but they're actually closer when you think, think about proximity with uh, East Africa. So I would love to know if they have any cooperation going on, any partnerships, if there's anything going on between those two ecosystems. Uh, for now, I would say it's uh, almost been close to zero. One thing about the North African is that, uh, you know, it's difficult for, for them to actually accept that they are African because of their close proximity to the Middle East. And of course, most of the activities going on over there is actually being influenced by the Middle East. Uh, so in terms of a close proximity to East African region, yeah, the proximity is there, but are there really are some sort of, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, what's it called, working together, you know, collaborative efforts. Uh, it's very little if it exists. Uh, thank you very much, Dio. Um, can you tell us about your plans for the future for the Africa blockchain expedition? Where are we going next? Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, right now, uh, based on what we were able to figure out during our last uh, phase one of the expedition, uh, we discovered there is still need for more capacity building. And of course, there is still need for more workshop. And to be able to facilitate uh, the regulatory framework, there is need for people to be uh, aware, to be educated. So uh, starting from the month of March, uh, we'll be starting in Ethiopia with what we're called uh, the uh, East African University BIOT Hackathon Series. Uh, BIOT being uh, meaning blockchain and IoT. So we want to see what can be done by forming a synergy between these two technology. So we'll be starting with, uh, we have uh, a plan to launch it in four universities in each country. And our focus is basically four countries, Ethiopia, Tanzania, Rwanda, and Kenya, uh, with remote participation from all other Eastern African countries. So the plan for this is to uh, train and to, to provide an hackathon series for universities for them to, to uh, facilitate you know, startup initiatives uh, for blocking an IoT ecosystem. And of course, to introduce what we call the East Africa Blockchain uh, Regulatory Council uh, Undergraduate Research Program, during which we would encourage uh, you know, the final year students to write research papers on blockchain application in their respective uh, 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 sectors. And we'll be having we're having the likes of uh, blockchain application in uh, real estate, uh, blockchain application in uh, finance uh, as applied to the economics and the likes. So it is this research papers that will now be digested, will now be used uh, by various regulators by the time we get to that. So the plan is to start with the BIOT hackathon uh, series for four months, uh, during which we'll now bring them back together to Ethiopia for the grand finale. Then afterwards, we'll now launch the phase two of the expedition uh, which is focused on 12 East and Eastern African countries, uh, Zambia, Zimbabwe, Seychelles, and the likes. Uh, and the plan is to uh, basically gather the regulators, 
you know, from these countries uh, to facilitate a workshop, facilitate the training, and to start uh, uh, selecting the council members uh, for the regulatory council. Uh, this is all uh, in collaboration with the government, of course. Then uh, once we have all this already on ground, then it is to have a final uh, two-week submit in Kigali, Rwanda, uh, where all the, uh, the council members, the, uh, the regulators will now be gathering you know, to formulate uh, something to be adopted as a regulatory framework across uh, East Africa. Uh, and then once this is done, there will be a, an opportunity to launch uh, several solutions and, and the likes. And one thing interesting that we are currently launching across East Africa is what we call an initiative like uh, a land by profitable, I was called investment initiative. It sort of enabled the government to raise funding. NFT is currently a hot topic in the space right now. Uh, but the government needs to be able to see uh, you know, from something that they can see to something that they can touch before they can actually believe something is real. That is how it works. You just can't tell them with NFT you can raise some amount of money and, and likes. So, you know, from Dar es Salaam, uh, uh, traveling from Dar es Salaam to Moshi is, is probable uh, by, by train. It's a 10.5 hour street. During which we plan to launch something we call uh, the blockchain NFT train cruise. During which we'll be minting uh, the best uh, uh, you know, artworks as NFT in Tanzania for people to be able to, you know, uh, to, to, to auction it off as a means of the government for, for raising funding you know, by the government for, you know, for the likes of the Vista Dome uh, to improve the transport and the tourism sector. So this is a program we plan to launch in the late period of March, starting with Tanzania, then move to Rwanda, do the same thing in Kenya. So once we have built the, the, the government, the opportunity to be able to raise funding you know, using NFTs, you know, for them to actually take a lot of interest in the, in, the, in the ecosystem. So this is something interesting that we actually have coming up very soon. So the, uh, the train crews, the, the NFT auctions, uh, the BIOS Akaton series, and the phase two of the expedition. So all these are currently on our roadmap uh, to be launched uh, very soon. Thank you very much, uh, Adi. Uh, you've, you've told us um, more than uh, we could ever imagine. Uh, I really appreciate that. I believe we have several questions up from the uh, participants. For the participants, please, uh, if you'd like to ask a question, please use the hand raising tool so that when I see that you raised your hand, I can uh, select you to ask a question. Alternatively, you can type your question in the chat uh, for us to read out for you. So uh, if there are any other things that you, you, you um, were hoping to be able to discuss today, please feel free to talk about it. Uh, while you're talking about it, I will collate the questions from our participants today. Please go on. Okay, so um, basically I think I would just like people to be aware of uh, what is going on in Africa. And uh, this was one of the reasons we decided to launch the expedition across East African regions. And um, I mean, so far in the space, yeah, it's been pretty challenging, but then the space is quite interesting. We have a lot of people who are currently very active and the community is growing. And uh, a lot of people deploying solutions here and there. You know, I've always been a facilitator or probably believer in uh, Africans deploying solutions for Africa, not uh, trying to bring in uh, solutions from outside of the country then to localize it. So I, I just want people to look into deploying the real solutions, not just focusing on uh, being the first to do anything, but to actually looking into problems that are integral to Africans as a whole. 
they will be able to post this and deploy a lot of solutions in the space. It might be even on the centralized system, it might be decentralized uh, solution, but whichever the case may be, uh, um, I'm, I'm part of the movement of the people that believes that uh, solving the problems in Africa is not only, uh, should, should not only be done by the government. In fact, the government can only solve little, uh, but the, most of the problems in Africa can be solved by the citizens of Africa. And uh, of course, technology is one of the basic uh, things that we can look towards you know, to deploy most of the solutions. So let's look at the problems that we are facing in the country or in the continent as a whole, and collectively look at how we can solve them using the currently available solutions, uh, the technology are built by the fourth industrial revolution. So uh, what you said here brings to mind the fact that we have a presidential election coming up next year. <laughs> Where do you think uh, that uh, blockchain technology or advancements within the blockchain industry can come to play to uh, help easy transition, to help um, a more effective uh, effort when it comes to the voter process, the election process, and the transition from one government to the next? What would you have to say about that? What, what are your thoughts on the issue? Uh, okay, interesting question. Interesting in the sense that I've had, you know, this question come up over time. And uh, unfortunately, my, my answer will still remain the same. But this time, I think I might have a solution to suggest. You know, people usually talk about blockchain as an applicable uh, solution for having the likes of uh, e-voting and decentralized voting, whereby, of course, your vote counts. Uh, but then is the government really uh, ready you know, to deploy uh, solutions using blockchain, which offers them uh, you know, limited control? Uh, the, the answer is that no, they do not. They are not yet ready for that. Uh, which reminds me of a dialogue I had with one of the government representatives. You know, it was a roundtable conversation. Uh, I wouldn't really say maybe it's West Africa or East Africa, but this dialogue actually existed. It's, it's something that we, we had to go through. And, uh, these uh, government offices, officers were asking me the question, if it's actually possible, you know, uh, for them to have favoritism, you know, to be, to be biased just a little bit, you know, should in case there is a vote on the blockchain, uh, because we're able to display how the blockchain voting works to them. They're able to cast their own vote and the likes, and they saw the vote actually reading in real time. Now, they, their question was, should in case they, they, they actually favor a specific party or probably a specific, uh, uh, you know, candidate, is there any way they can manipulate the data a little bit to make sure their own uh, favorite candidates wins? Then I was pretty much blunt to them. Said, if you want to deploy a solution, just deploy it. Uh, because with blockchain, it's entirely immutable. And of course, the answer to your question is no. There is no way you'll be able to manipulate the data. Because once people are voting, once the citizens are voting, the vote are counting in real time. So how then do you think you can, you know, in between be able to manipulate data? It's absolutely impossible to be done. So back to your question, is the government ready to have an immutable system as a means of voting in Nigeria? Uh, the answer to that question is no. But then that doesn't mean that we citizens can't do anything about it. If there is anything I've learned about Nigeria, it's the fact that uh, uh, we are pretty much determined if there's anything that we want to do, we put our mind to it and we do it, regardless of the outcome, regardless of the consequences. This I learned during the NSAS, uh, a protest. Uh, where people took it to the streets, you know, you know, opposing every single thing, just to make sure the, the government and the world out there were able to hear their words. And when it comes to blockchain voting, yeah, we won't really call it a voting specifically, but we can call it a decentralized post, you know, where every citizen of the country 
can be facilitated to, you know, to create blockchain identity on a specific network. It can be funded, you know, for people to actually put in their own post. So let the government conduct their own INEC election, you know, and the people can also on one side conduct their own decentralized post. So let's see who is going to be the winner of the people and let's see who is going to be the winner from the government's perspective. And of course, from that, everything can always be disputed. So if the people are able to conduct themselves so well, you know, to create a decentralized post uh, from where they'll be able to know the winner of the election, even prior to the election itself, and then during the registration and the INEC proceedings, and probably a new or a different winner would be announced. So then they are always going to be an avenue for people to dispute uh, the, the results of the, of the election as conducted by the government. But if the government is ready, no. But are the people ready? I think yes. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Adi. Today's podcast was sponsored by The Blockchain Explained, an online educational entity focused entirely on training people on how to navigate and invest within the blockchain and cryptocurrency industry and markets effectively. If you've been looking on the blockchain industry from the outside in and want to acquire the necessary knowledge and skills to ensure a hitch-free investing experience, sign up for the intensive training on blockchain and cryptocurrencies on theblockchainexplains.com today. So Ayodeji Okeumi asked, uh, what do you think the impact of the actions of high-profile individuals like Elon Musk uh, and governments like China have in the promotion of blockchain solutions uh, confidence on the African continent? Uh, well, uh, sadly, uh, I would say in Africa, we still pretty much depend on the media and uh, the influence you know, of the top guns of the big guns like Elon Musk, uh, uh, Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg, and of course, China being uh, one of the major uh, countries who are currently investing in Africa. So um, I'll say promoting blockchain solutions across Africa still, uh, sadly, like I said, pretty much depend on uh, the influence of most of all these big and top guns in the space. Uh, you, you can imagine how Elon Musk, a single individual, has been able to influence you know, a lot of people into buying into a lot of coins and, and the likes. And of course, the government also, they look at what most of all these people are doing uh, before they are able to make their own decision. But even though the, the, the tides are currently changing in, in, in that specific regards. For China, for example, deploying their own uh, Chinese UN as, as CBDC, which is currently uh, you know, uh, working, uh, so to say. And they're most also making moves for what we call the space coin, you know, a, a, a cryptocurrency to be used uh, by people who are traveling to space and the likes. So the government, they might not come out openly, but they're actually listening to the likes of this. You, you get to know when you sit down with them to, you know, to discuss you know, various other things to do. And they'll ask you a series of questions like, what do you think about China, Chinese CBDC? What do you think about Elon Musk's position on this? So they're actually listening to the news and uh, they are pretty much basing their decision on majority of what they learn uh, from them. So I'll, I'll say they have a very high influence in, uh, in uh, uh, what's it called, influencing the decision uh, making a criteria and a pro uh, process uh, for the government in Africa. Thank you, Adi. Can you tell us uh, a bit about uh, where you see blockchain uh, playing a role in Africa when it comes to issues like um, volunteerism and charity? Because the gap between the haves and the have-nots in Africa is still extremely wide 
and despite best efforts, it's been there's been very little progress. How would you uh, talk about blockchain and volunteerism, uh, donations, charity on the African continent? Yes, uh, there was this uh, specific event we had in, uh, it's a blockchain meetup in Kenya and it's uh, all about blockchain and charity. Um, we had uh, uh, um, a CEO of a company who deployed a solution using the outdoor uh, blockchain technology, uh, givesafely.io, are present in that meetup. And one thing we've been able to realize so far, even locally and internationally, is the fact that a lot of people are trusting less in, in the charity uh, uh, sector, simply because there is no transparency. Uh, but what if somebody is willing to donate, is able to monitor his transactions from the point of donation to the point of utility, uh, where the money or anything he donated is actually being put to good use? Now, this transparency uh, or transparent transaction is actually required. And the only way you can actually provide this sort of uh, uh, transparency is through blockchain technology, uh, because the, the, the legacy uh, financial institution cannot provide it. Obviously, they are running uh, on a centralized system and they can provide the distributed ledger uh, transparency for people to be able to monitor the transactions uh, from inception to where it's been utilized. So in Africa, I believe you know, we have a lot of uh, uh, people who can easily use uh, uh, basically, you know, all these uh, uh, donations, uh, charity, and the likes. So a blockchain application in this specific regard will go a very long way. Uh, but then people need to be well connected. You're talking about uh, the, the recipients able to have access to digital or uh, transactions, even if it's paper wallets and the likes. People need to be well educated. People need to be, uh, you know, capacity building needs to be uh, 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 increased in some ways for people to be educated about it. Uh, but going on the, on the long way, on the long shot, it's uh, an industry worth looking into, you know, to avail people with basically, you know, uh, uh, funding, uh, with materials, with resources that they actually need uh, to go about their day-to-day -day activities. Thank you, Ade. So as we all know, um, agribusiness is one of the hugest sectors when it comes to investments and the focus of the government. Uh, in most African countries. Um, I don't think, however, that uh, we have been able to successfully implement blockchain technology to help build uh, on the efforts of the government um, in that particular sector. What would you say, or what are your thoughts on this? So in the agricultural uh, uh, sector, there are a couple of, um, uh, let me see, obstacles towards successfully deploying blockchain solutions uh, for the sector, because we're talking about tokenization of lands, tokenization of resources and the likes for people to be able to fundraise, you know, uh, the, the capital that will be required for them. Let's say uh, we are taking the, uh, uh, the, the oil palm uh, industry, for example, which is being cultivated, you know, per, probably per square meter and the likes. So we need a huge amount of land, several hectares of land to be able to successfully cultivate Know, something that can be called the cash crop you know, for uh, importation and exportation businesses. But let's look at uh, the first integral problem being faced in the sector, which is about land. You know, we need a very huge amount of land to be able to do this. And of course, uh, the government, the eminent domain, the, 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 the absolute in power uh, for the government enabling it to be able to you know, act, uh, 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 acquire most of all these lands makes it uh, not really something to be considered by investors unless you can adequately tell any investor that the land in which you want to cultivate 
uh, you know, the, the oil palm business is essentially it's owned by you, you know, till, uh, till probably for 100 years and the likes. But we need to bring in the government into this perspective. So the government's owned lands that are being used for agricultural purposes uh, needs to be given you know, to the tech sectors who will then bring in the farmers and tokenize the land in square meter probably uh, by GPS for investors to be able to put in their funds. You know, the farmers will be able to successfully you know, maintain himself over the course of uh, 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 cultivating uh, to the points where he will be able to reap uh, from it over time. And then the investors will also be able to you know, get their own uh, shares from uh, the, the sold uh, seed or probably even the oil itself. But the sector is still being plagued by land, land title, which is number one. Then of course, the likes of uh, trusts, which is also uh, uh, one of the basic issues in the, in the space. Uh, but looking at the agricultural sector, yeah, of course, we'll have a lot to benefit uh, from blockchain application because funding can easily be provided, can be fundraised. Uh, and of course, decentralized marketplaces, which removes the middlemen you know, from uh, 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 limiting the amount of profit every farmer is capable of, uh, you know, actually earning. Because the farmers are all there on the farm today, you know, cultivating, using their own ad labor. But when it comes to bringing their own produce to the market, they are usually being uh, uh, collected by the middlemen who will pay a meager amount, then eventually take it to the main market or probably even take it outside of the country to sell for a higher amount. But using a decentralized marketplace as powered by the blockchain technology, it can enable the farmers to have a direct contact with buyers. And of course, you know, the marketplace is quite open, which makes the, uh, the, the price to be quite competitive. So every farmer is able to sell, you know, for profit without having a middleman in between. And of course, the supply chain logistics, also utilizing blockchain technology, can easily monitor, you know, transporting uh, from one place to the other under a very good condition. You're able to know exactly where your produce are coming from, uh, where uh, your produce are at a particular point in time, or, or under uh, some specific uh, conditions where your produce have been stored. Uh, the the uh, what's it called, the temperature, the distance, and uh, probably the time it was harvested. So all the solutions can be put together to make the agricultural sector. Uh, the next major boom and not the high sector. Thank you, Ade. Uh, so, Ayodeji um, Okeomi asks, uh, he says uh, on a lighter note, on global projections, where do you think African countries would be able to pay their international debts with Bitcoin? <laughs> <laughs> Very interesting question. Do you think, um, Added that uh, uh, blockchain, our blockchain, our progress in the blockchain industry can help African countries um, build their financial capacity to be able to pay their national debts uh, and to increase wealth and infrastructure uh, within their borders. In fact, let me even add to Ayodeji's question, my question. Um, do you see the possibility of us even having maybe um, a blockchain city or blockchain country in, in the African continent? Okay, uh, starting with your own question, I will say we are already having it. Just that they are not making a lot, of, a lot of noise, you know. We have the Bantu blocking ecosystem. And in my last conversation with uh, Ernest, uh, who is the CEO of Bantu, uh, I, I think that was last week or two weeks ago in Abuja. This is something they are currently working on. 
and uh, it's a smart city which enables you to be able to pay for virtually everything within the estates uh, using XBN. And also, you know, you are also able to use your XBN to gain access. You know, a lot of estates have these uh, smart uh, gate pass where you just have to flash it to the sensor and you'll be granted access. But to actually enter most of these estates, you need XBN to be in your wallet and you need your phone to be able to uh, act as a, a, what's it called, a smart contract in between, which enables you to be able to gain access. So a blockchain city is currently brewing. I mean, it's currently happening, but it might not really be on a larger scale, but uh, we all need to start from somewhere, of course. So this is currently happening and uh, it will continue to, uh, to, to do so until we have it in a larger perspective. Uh, back to uh, the question by Ayodeji. What blockchain does is that it, it makes it available for people to, you know, uh, to bring up new solutions, new business models. And one of the basic problems I would say that is currently plaguing most of the African countries, Nigeria, for example, is the fact that we have a centralized uh, system. You know, the government operates in a central way that whatever the government says is final. We wouldn't be in so much debt if not for the government. I'm sorry to put it that way, but then it's true. But if we have the kind of economy we practice enables people to, you know, to, to be their own boss, you know, you can actually have your own companies, a mixed kind of economy where everybody can create their own startup, create your own company, uh, you know, uh, uh, basically uh, control your own fund, control your own income. But with blockchain, it even makes it a lot easier for you to have varieties of ideas that you can easily invite, uh, you know, foreign investors to invest in an idea. And the likes of this, we can look into the real estate sector, even the agricultural sector, you know, varieties of solutions that were not there earlier prior to the advent of blockchain technology. But today we have the opportunity of, you know, smart investments, DeFi, and so on and so forth. So we have a lot of other means whereby people can easily generate our money. And this, in a way, will definitely improve the, a country's economy. And eventually, I believe we'll get to the era where the government will be decentralized as well. So when it comes to, because I looked at this, the situation in Uganda currently, where uh, China is taking over you know, every single thing that is going on in the country, especially in the, uh, the, the airline uh, ecosystem, taking over their airports uh, because of uh, the loans they owe in China. And even the Ugandan, uh, our president sending delegates to China, you know, to plead with uh, the president of China, and he's saying, no, you need to pay up your loan. We are taking over the airports and the likes. Now, I'm not really sure how long we have in the country before they start happening in Nigeria, but what I feel can be done is to have decentralized investment during which, you know, we have various investors and then what's called a substantial allocation from this will be paid back to, will be used in paying back our loans. That is if it's achievable anyway. But then we have various other possibilities. Uh, the various business models currently existing, you know, people being able to gain jobs, people being able to work from home remotely for blockchain companies or for various startups and the likes. So we stand on the edge of improving our own economy. And then I believe it's a gradual process where we'll be able to pay off our loans, even if it's probably century to come. Okay, that's a frightful thought. Um, Adi, where are you going? What should we expect from you professionally in the next five years? From me, personally? Yes, professionally, in the next five years. Yeah. 
Well, I would say we all have dreams so to create solutions for people to, to consume. We all have dreams to make uh, you know, the world a better place uh, through the solutions we are deploying. In the last couple of years, my investment has been in capacity building, in uh, building a, you know, an ecosystem where everybody knows a little, or even if it's just a little about blockchain technology, to foster developers' community for people to be able to deploy uh, 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 decentralized applications. In the next couple of months uh, to the next five years to come, uh, professionally, I'll be working on several solutions, which are basically to address uh, basic problems we are facing in Africa, uh, ranging from the agricultural sector uh, to the supply chain sector to the fintech sector uh, to the health sector and the likes. So my attention will be focused basically on solution deployment. I think that summarizes it all. Okay, so uh, we have a question from uh, Benoit Goudier. My sincerest apologies if I uh, mispronounced your name, Benoit. Um, so Benoit says, uh, I totally understand the fact that you prefer promoting made in Africa blockchain solutions. It's in Africa blockchain solution, uh, made in Africa blockchain solutions. It's important that, uh, let me start again. I totally understand the fact that you prefer promoting made in Africa blockchain solutions. It's important that the continent have the capacity to build its own ecosystem. However, what advice would you give to a startup specialized in critical infrastructure solutions for blockchain adoption? Uh, in brackets, he writes, he or she writes, cybersecurity, AML, custody platform, uh, that would like to develop business relationships uh, within the African continent. Okay, so uh, with regards to that question, it applies to even African countries who are willing to, to extend their own services to other African countries. Uh, before you can adequately secure an attention with any African government, you need to have a local establishment. So even if you are coming from, let's say from Ghana, and you want to establish, you know, uh, uh, your services, your uh, your services to the likes of uh, Rwanda, Kenya, Tanzania, and you want to have a relationship with the government. The first question they will ask you is, "Where's your office?" So that's the first question they will ask you because they want people, they, they, they want their own people to be developed. They don't want to be a, a, just a consumer of products, and they want people to actually invest in their own countries. So. As a foreigner who is looking towards uh, you know, bringing solutions to Africa, the first thing that you need to do is to have a local establishment registered you know, uh, locally, have a, an office where, uh, where, where they can easily reach out to you, have people on the ground. And of course, you know, each of those countries have their own rules and regulations on setting up a country, uh, setting, setting up a company, and also rules and regulations in terms of staffing it up. They have a requirement that you need to bring in, like in Rwanda, you need to bring in some Rwandis on board. Uh, same thing, I, I believe, in Tanzania as well. So you need to have local employment uh, for their people. So not just bringing in your own people to their own country, you know, to provide solutions to dominate without involving uh, their own ecosystem, their own citizens in the whole uh, 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 situation. So that is the first thing to be done. And of course, uh, the fact that we are always promoting, or uh, we are more of, of, of uh, what's it called, promoting African solution uh, for Africans, let's not forget the fact that we did not create the internet. We did not create most of the things we are currently consuming. 
uh, but basically what we are trying to achieve in the tech or in the uh, software ecosystem is to be able to you know, deploy our own solutions. But we are still leveraging on the already existing blockchain infrastructure. Uh, today, we have a lot of blockchain platforms out there which were not coded by Africans. So what we are basically doing is to promote de deploying decentralized applications on these existing uh, platforms by Africans because we understand our own problems. We understand exactly what we are facing. So bringing a solution from outside of the country to localize it in Africa may not entirely work unless we have more of local content, people who are who understood what is, being, uh, uh, what is currently going on in Africa, the solutions that need to be deployed and the ways these solutions need to be provided. So this is basically what we are trying to promote uh, because we need uh, uh, solutions to be deployed the right way. And of course, people to be able to consume it, to be able to utilize it. Talking about the UI, the experience on the basic applications and what people can easily relate with. So as a foreigner, basically just situate yourself in Africa, have an African establishment, then of course, people will listen. I mean, we are always willing to work together with everyone. So far we have a unique and a unif uh, unified goal towards providing solutions for Africa. So where next for the Africa blockchain expedition? Where next? Yes, uh, the, the phase two of the expedition will be starting in the, uh, the, the, uh, towards the end of the Q2 and the beginning of Q3 of this year. Prior to then, we'll be launching the Biot Akaton series uh, across, yeah, some East African countries. But the phase two of the expedition will be starting, uh, let's say, by the beginning of the Q3 of 2022. Okay, so there's still plenty of time to uh, plan for that. Definitely. Okay. Uh, I think... Um, I've exhausted my list of questions. Uh, if the audience has any comments or contributions or questions that they'd like to add, this would be an excellent time to do so. Otherwise, Adedayo, Adebajo, thank you so much for joining us on the maiden edition of Coin Talk Africa Spotlight today. Uh, and thank you to all of our participants who took the time to join us today to listen to what uh, Adedayo Adebajo had to say and uh, what he had to share about the Africa blockchain expedition and to uh, support us. We really appreciate you. We will uh, be sharing the link to the podcast by the end of today on uh, our LinkedIn page. So please endeavor to pop in there so you can listen again and uh, reinforce uh, your learnings. Thank you so much and have a very wonderful, restful weekend ahead. Thank you, everyone. Thank you to the host. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. You're very welcome. Adieu, everyone. podcast was sponsored by The Blockchain Explained, an online educational entity focused entirely on training people on how to navigate and invest within the blockchain and cryptocurrency industry and markets effectively. If you've been looking on the blockchain industry from the outside in and want to acquire the necessary knowledge and skills to ensure a hitch-free investing experience, sign up for the intensive training on blockchain and cryptocurrencies on theblockchainexplained.com today. 